What's up, TIW Mafia? JP here, a little under the weather, but I'm here with Big Joe. We're expecting a special guest in a few minutes, hopefully. It is Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Joe, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I just noticed, though, that when you were messing with me last week or even the week before, my name is still Big Toe, you know, at Big Toe. I get a, I, and I forget how to fix it, of course. But, you know, it is what it is. Let me see. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got oh, it. Listen. Ready? Ready? We have a special guest about to come live with us. Mr. Bodie Sin, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing all right. We are, we're live. There's... Just trying to get this little camera set where I can see you guys. And how's everything? I've been, I see, dude, I've seen the figures that you've been putting out, man. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Oh, thank you. We actually thank saw you. a one of, we had a one of one making appearance on the show last week. Oh, yeah? What's that? Uh, we had a Professor Nightmare figure on the show last week. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, everybody keeps on asking me about that. They're like, are you using like a new catchphrase? Is there a new nickname or whatever, whatever? And I'm telling them, no. That is like, uh, that's a, a classical, like a, a magic trick, like a rope trick. Yeah. And so when Shocker, my partner that, so for people who don't know what we're talking about here is so, so we did the Penn and Teller's Fool Us. And um, so me and Shocker, who is a, a, a buddy of mine, a magician here in Vegas, he's a, like a freak show wrestling OG and he's like a legit awesome magician and everything. So he was... We were just kind of use that as sort of like an entry cue to kind of do the little shtick that we were doing. And that's so when he was talking to Penn and Teller about it, he was basically speaking magic. So it would just be like us saying, I don't know, you know, baby face or heel or run in or, or right. some some wrestling jargon. So he was speaking magic jargon and it, they just sort of assumed that I was Professor Nightmare just because of that jargon. So we're like, OK, all right, sure. It's all good. I've been, I've been called worse, so it's fine. Yeah, I, no, I don't mind it. And Penn and Teller give you a moniker. You kind of go with it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, they're really cool dudes, and they, they had a lot of fun. And they were they were pretty funny about it. They're like, we did not know what to expect, and they kind of thought, all right, this like these Neanderthal, you know, circus lion wrestlers are going to do what? What are they going to do? And then they were, to their surprise, to their dismay, they were like, holy crap, that was like one of the absolute funnest segments of the whole season, if not all of the season. So I'll take that as a compliment for sure. Yeah, there was actually an interview with Penn where he said that um, you guys really sort of fooled them and they kind of had a guess at what the trick was. So, yeah, so we basically shocker fooled them. Yeah, we basically brought a nuke to a knife fight. So it was a (laughs) simple, not simple, but it was a classic like uh, mentalism trick that we did, except we just dropped a bomb on them with all the physicality while we did it. But once they kind of looked past, like, it's like hearing a big giant explosion. Everybody goes, what was that? And then you turn around and then like the spoon is bent, you know, like everybody just has to turn their head so the magician can just bend the spoon, you know? Yeah. So it was like, we dropped a bomb just to distract them when they realized, Oh crap, it was just a massive distraction versus, you know, some subtle sleight of hand distraction. Then they went, okay, all right, we got yeah. this. But it did take them a second. They were on their toes for, for a minute, which is not too shabby. Like two of the smartest, most clever uh, tricksters, uh, sneaky, sneaky guys on the planet. So, you know, if we had to make him think, I'll take that. Well, for me, being the wrestling fan, I forgot that there was magic happening. I'm watching the action in the ring, and then right. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, there's magic. <laughs> and I, had, magic. I mean, it's I, all magic, baby. It's all uh, magic. I, I was completely fooled. It's the the two are really similar. Yeah, I mean, it all goes hand in hand. Like you know, uh, wrestling, magic, sideshow. Uh, all that kind of circus, it's all cousin to one another. It yeah. all kind of stems from the same place. It's all circus sideshow, vaudeville, all that kind of stuff. So make the audience see and believe what you want them to see and believe. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yes, I don't know where I'm going with my, I can't, I'm a lot trying to find the camera. There we go. Uh-huh. There you go. It works. <laughs> yes, it's all <laughs> magic. Now, how slide is the school Slide of boot. What's that now? Sleight of hand and sleight of boot. That's right. Sleight of hand, sleight of boot. It's, it's funny. Uh, there's a scene. And so I, I like to, when I'm teaching the wrestling uh, students or even just wrestlers that are asking for like little tips, 
I'll reference movies quite a bit to parallel it to wrestling matches. So I'll try to kind of think and paint in metaphors. So, you know, when you, you're seeing what I'm talking about, it's maybe a little easier to digest. Like I would always sort of tongue in cheek kind of joke that Star Wars is my favorite wrestling match mm -hmm. of all time. You know, it's got all the, all the layers, all the gears. It's got an underneath baby face with a, a monster top card heel. Babyface has to fight his way through the whole card from the, boot, from the bootstraps, you know, so all these different things. So we like to paint in pictures and analogies and talking about like the, like uh, the hands, the close-up hands and uh, pugilism and the misdirect. So I will refer to pro wrestling or at least the fighty part of it as pugilistic close-up magic. So, you know, we are doing very dangerous things, but sprinkle in the illusion of the story that we're telling, you know, the characters and, and then, then how to keep each other moderately safe, safe as possible, because, you know, we are putting physical dress on our bodies. We aren't just, right. you know, you those smacks and smashes and slaps and uh, thuds. Those aren't CGI. Those aren't special effects. Like that's us clobbering each other, you know, but there is a story overlaid to our very method acting style of performance. So there's all that fun shenanigans, but I would joke and say, I would tell the students pro wrestling is, is like pugilistic close-up magic. Yeah, I could sock you and knock your brains in outer space, or you could sock me and knock my brains in outer space, but yeah, there, there is an art to making it look vicious and not destroying each other. And I'm quite a, quite a hippie in, my, in real life. I, I really wouldn't hurt a fly. I'm physically capable. I know what to do. I just spiritually wouldn't want to, you know. But in the ring, we're, we're performing, and we're performing aggressively. So I think fans, whether they just be some barista that's never, ever been in a real-life altercation or some big, scary biker or farmer or trucker or factory worker that has been, I want to fool everybody, not just Penn & Teller. So something that's been on the news the last since last night, really, and me and Joe were just talking about before the show, and you talking about being the, you know, the peaceful hippie that, you know, Sin Bodhi is. Sure. Um Symbody is not Nick. Is. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, I, I really again. I, I would never. You know, all everybody's like, "Oh, you're creative. Oh, you're artsy fartsy. Oh, you're fun to watch. Oh, da, 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 your toys are fun." Blah, 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 blah. And all of my creativity in a thousand years, if you had never showed me violence, violence to a fellow man, violence to a woman, a child, an animal, in all of my creativity in a thousand years, I would have never thought to hit another moving life form. Now, so, I wanna yeah, having said that, having said that, get the F off my lawn. I don't care what what shape or size you are. I don't care black, white, gay, straight, red, blue. Um, I'm gonna protect my family and ask questions later. So, yep. you know. But having said that, I if, if given my choice, I would never, 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 ever, ever, ever hurt a fly. I want to discourage a certain activity that occurred on Monday Night Raw. Uh huh. Okay, yeah, we can um, talk. I'm going to read your mind with the mentalism and think you're going to say something that rhymes with Beth. Yeah. Probably a little, darker, a little more of a five o'clock shadow. I'm going to go with Seth. Beth Hollins, it rhymes with. Yeah, with the fan jumping the, the ring and, attack, and uh, basically tackling Seth Rollins. Guys, don't do that. That's extremely dangerous to do. These wrestlers will protect themselves and each other. Yeah, and it's, um, I'm very happy that you brought that up. I was literally, and I'm af right after this, I'm going back to, uh, so, okay, yesterday we were talking about this in a private lesson, which again, I have to do that right after we're done this. So I am teaching Tito Santana's daughter. So that came up and I said, especially like, call me chivalrous, like she's a big, strong girl, but still call me chivalrous that I wanted to talk about safety in the ring. And I said like, you know, again, you can have all sorts of, uh, again, opinions are like a-holes. Everybody's got them. Some are correct. Some are not so correct. Some are way out to lunch. Some are, are poignant and what have you, but still. Some people have too. Yeah. So, you know, I think it would suck and it would be diabolical for some fan or just some human to hurt a wrestler or anybody. Right. Guy or girl. But just, again, call me old school. Call me a bit chivalrous. I would extra want to make sure the girl wrestlers are safe. So we talked about like shoot safety in the ring, like in case a fan jumped the guardrails. So if you're ever watching, you know, Raw, SmackDown, whatever, and all or AEW, whatever, uh, and they do this awkward cut just to the audience and for no reason is just audience, 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 more audience. Usually some fan is doing something they shouldn't be doing. 
security is handling it or somebody is handling it. Right. And they're cutting to the audience because they don't want to give anybody else any bright ideas. So having said that, when one of those people are having a less than bright idea and think they need to get involved in the show, the old school in it. So like, you know, there's, there's, there's corporate ways of handling things. There's old school ways of handling things. I believe in safety first. And I believe in as much as I don't want to hurt a fly, uh, better you than me. If I don't know you, the unwritten rule is if you're getting in that ring and I don't know you, I am going to destroy you, let alone stop you. you are so was very patient and very professional. Yes. And they were not in the ring. So in the ring and around the ring, two very, very different things um, for safety and for litigious reasons. So like, yeah. say, say I'm walking to the ring and you grab me by my beard and I just turn around and slug you and knock you into oblivion. Well, I'm not going to turn around and say, excuse me, sir, what are your intentions for grabbing my beard hostily? It hurts. I don't know who you are. I don't know how big you are. I don't have your weapon. I'm going to fire that knuckle sandwich upside your skull. I promise you, I will send you in outer space and then I will ask questions later. Yeah. But if I can, what, like what Seth did, and I have all the respect in the world for Seth and I'm glad, glad he is safe. I could care less about the other dude um, because he was asking for it where Seth was not. So I would, again, I wouldn't wish ill on anybody, but if you're asking for it, you get what you get, you know, right. asking you shall receive. Well, so if, if I saw a fan coming at me and I could grab him and hold him at bay until the security were there where I could hand them off. Great. But if I have to make snap decisions until security is there, you're getting what you get. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm not going to psychoanalyze, be like, hey, well, what are your intentions, sir? I'm going to physically keep myself safe, deal with, you know, again, I'm a professional and I, I'm not Chuck Norris by any means, but I can go. And most wrestlers can go yes. much more than the average bear. Now, again, not painting with an all encompassing brush. A lot of people out there that are, you know, uh, super duper strong, you know, whatever big or bigger than a wrestler or whatever. So the wrestler being the target doesn't need to wait and find out. They need to handle their business safely, professionally. They still need to handle their business. That is around ringside. Um, I'm not sure what exactly the semantics of the laws are for modern day, but I was always taught that wrestling, boxing, any, any sport, whether there was ropes and turnbuckles, or an MMA cage or something. When you cross that those ropes per se, now you're asking for it. Now you've you've that's uh, what I'm looking for. Now you have agreed. You are you're a willing participant. And once you cross those ropes, if a wrestler doesn't know you, you are gonna get it. Right. And you're not just gonna get put in a hold. You're gonna get it until you are out of that ring. Right. And I think I think with my bedroom. And, I, and, and to not incriminate myself on the internet, but I was explaining to Tito's daughter, I said, again, especially being a, a girl. Now, she's a big, strong girl, but still, you know, that's not going to compare to some six-foot dude or whatever, bigger. So fans really don't know how to navigate and negotiate the ropes, let alone the ring. We do. Yeah. And those ropes are a lot more complicated to move through than people would realize. So I spent pretty much that private lesson or a good portion of it showing her ways to defend herself and keep herself safe until security was there to help out. And it was because of the Seth thing. I wanted to make sure that she was aware of that. And there's so many diabolical way. Not that's maybe wrong. Let's, let's strike that. There's so many aggressively safe ways to keep your attacker at bay. Yeah. And then some, again, you some burglar, if, if some burglar broke in my house, I wouldn't be like, well, what is your intention, sir? Did you just want my TV? Do you really need my TV more than I need my TV? I'm not asking those questions. You're getting your head pulled off, and then I'll hand you off to the police. First call, call would be 911 and be like, look, place. I defended myself. You can take the leftovers. You know, so I kind of explained it like that in the pro wrestling. Because, again, girl or guy, but especially the girl. Like, look at Charlotte Flair, or Rhea Ripley, or uh, uh, just any of them, all of them, um, uh, Bianca, all of them, just amazing athletes. But still, if some big dude jumped into the ring, just the sheer size difference is right. not to their advantage. You know, like you could take Bruce Lee and put him in, a, in close quarters with a, a rodeo bull. You're too close. It doesn't matter what techniques Bruce Lee has. He's going to get trampled by that rodeo. 
So to teach wrestlers, guy and girl, both in ring and exterior ring safety, I think is very, very important. Awesome. Yeah, and I think Seth, I think what Seth did, like you said, you know, when he got tackled, once security was there, the referees were there. Once he could get up, he got up and walked away. Yeah, because he didn't even need cheap shots. He didn't. Country. Yeah, I mean, and, and it was very human of him to say, hey, come on, you want to, or whatever, whatever he said. I don't recall exactly, but he yelled at the guy. Yeah. But I mean, you know, sticks and stones. So I don't think yeah. he didn't, I don't know that he called him any names. I don't, I don't recall exactly. I just heard, I just heard like kind of a jumble, a gerbil of like, blah, 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 blah. so whatever he said, it was like, you know, what are you thinking? You're an asshole. I don't know what he said, but he didn't take any cheap shots. He didn't no. go after the fact. He didn't cheapen the situation. He didn't make the situation no. any more litigious than it needed to be, which, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's sealed tight, you know. Right. But, you know, you know, like if that guy got knocked cold or whatever, you, you don't know what people are thinking as far as, like, taking people to court. Like, he has a, you know, WWE wrestlers have to think about that as well because they have a little more money than I do. Sure. You know, so. Well, we get one of our listeners in the chat room, uh, Larry Prescott, saying that he, what he said was, you drew fucking blood. What now? He said that Seth said, you drew fucking blood, is what he said, by one, per one of our listeners in the chat room. That, that I'm, sure, I'm, sure. I'm, not, I'm not following. What, what did that he say? The guy that attacked he, Seth, what Seth said back to him was, you drew fucking blood. Seth said that to him? You drew yeah. blood? Yeah. So again, if he had if he had hardwayed Seth open, so when we say hardway, we mean when you know blood yeah. happens accidentally as opposed to blah. So if Seth had said that to him, you know, uh, he may have just been pointing out that look, you did damage to me, and I'm still not taking advantage of you, which to me even speaks right. more to Seth as being a classy professional. Um. I get. I'm. I am a pretty Wusa guy. I mean, my name that I take is Bodhi. It is short for Bodhisattva, which is a Buddhist thing that means without greed, fear, or delusion, without hatred. So I'm a pretty Wusa kind of a guy. And sin, I picked sin because, again, for hippie reasons, because out of, again, white, black, gay, straight, red, blue, uh, whatever ethnicity, whatever line of, whatever sexual orientation, whatever country, wherever you are from, however, whatever your walk of life is. One thing that binds us together is sin. That's our common ground. So you're talking to a pretty sort of Zen kind of a dude. Having said that, I would do whatever I needed to do to keep myself safe, or especially to keep my family or someone somebody loved safe. Like, uh, for instance, I grew up with with Edge, Edge and Christian. Edge is as close to me as my flesh and blood brother. Got a couple of guys like that. I'm lucky to have, you know, a handful of people that that I take a bullet for. You know, so if it meant getting in front of somebody, you know, whether it was for, you know, I've got a good friend of mine. He was uh, uh, named Jason Bates. He's a business owner in South Dakota. One of my best pals. He's right up there with, with Edge. Um, he was he was a wrestler back in the day at OBW. And he was one of those would have, should have, could have guys. Um, tough as nails, but a sweetheart, a family man, a business owner. And I, I would take a bullet for him. You know, I'd take a bullet for Jake the Snake. I would take a bullet for my my legit little brother. You know, I would take a bullet for my wife and my kid. Um, not a whole lot of not, not, not a whole lot more people I can think of that, you know, beside my parents or something. You know, a lot of times people that I like, but I don't know how many I would jump in front of the bus for. But everybody I just named, I certainly would. They are, they've always had my best intentions. Are They've already ha always helped me out. I've always tried to help them out. And I'm lucky to say, like, man, that's counting up. That's, that's more than a handful. So I think in life, that's winning the lottery and friendship and, and love and everything, brotherhood. So... I am fully abreast at what I would do for somebody other than myself. No. I think not to get so Zen and so philosophical, but I, I kind of think like, unless you have something or someone you die for, you've never truly lived. That's not any quote from anywhere. That's just me just yeah, kind of riffing, but that's how I feel. You know, I think so many people are like, well, this, well, that I think those are, that's usually coming out of the mouths of people who have not experienced love or friendship or have something to lose of some sort. So I got to go down Seth has a brand new baby. Seth has a career. Seth, you know, Seth has yeah. fans and kids that he doesn't want to disappoint. You know, he's got money that he doesn't want to get uh, sued up from under his ass. Right. He has to feed his family and his baby and his wife. 
and, and retire someday. So he's not going to let some idiot rob him of that in a moment of anger. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer, whether you're in office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders. Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running. Printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop on, drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping with Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool. You can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code, P-O-D, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital skill. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in P-O-D. That's Stamps.com, promo code P-O-D, Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Now, I got to see, you were just talking about people you're friends with, and I just got, I got to see a couple weeks ago someone that you're friends with, and what an experience. I was down in Daytona and got to see Gua. Yes. My kid, uh, so uh, Techno Destructo, Hunter Jackson, one of the OGs, one of the creators, him and Brocky were the creators of Gua. And it was silly because just this week they were in Vegas. I was actually in South Dakota with my buddy that I was talking about, uh, Mr. Bates. And, uh, but here in town, um, my 13 year old stepdaughter got to go see Guar. And so, uh, techno made sure that they had tickets and all that stuff. So, and she had a blast and it was, it was fun to see her smiling and see her all covered in that Guar goo and all that stuff. So yes. she had a really great time and I was super happy that she got to enjoy herself. I've I been through finding stuff that actually lets them enjoy themselves. Like, especially yeah. coming out of this pandemic that, the kids have had it so rough. Like adults have had it rough. I think kids have had it ten times more rough. So it's cool to see a smile on her right. face. It's covered in guar blood. I've been to thousands of metal concerts over the years, and I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before in my life. It was cool. Geez, try wrestling them. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> it's often messy. Always what? You know what's funny is that was. Go ahead, Jay. What's that? They weren't the first person to pee on someone on that stage that night. Oh, I don't know about that. Again, I wasn't there, but uh, I've had a lot of a lot of weird gunk uh, was... dumped on me, thrown on me, smeared on me at the hands of Techno Destructo over the years from Freaks of Wrestling. And so forth. Well, so if yeah, you it's a fair thing for you. Any member of War, I would definitely guarantee that. If he knows, if they know you, they're going to aim for you, right? Yeah. And, and, and the funny thing is, is like, you know, like just Charlotte, I think had just kind of explained this. Um, I think it was Charlotte that it was just saying, you know, when you're wrestling your buddies, you hit harder, you, you take it easy on the people you don't really like, or the people you don't really know. But when you've got a, a long time caring bond, you usually sink your teeth in just a little bit more. So, so yeah. So again, every time me and Hunter, uh, <laughs> I love Techno Destructo. So when we would get in there, it would be a war for sure. Now, how does that relationship, how did that, like, how does Sin Bodhi meet Techno Destructo? Uh, good question. Uh, so when I was first introducing Freak Show Wrestling to Las Vegas, uh, this has got to be a better part of the decade ago, uh, I had, so I would have, like, wrestlers, I would have, excuse me, I would have a magician, sideshow, music. And I had a buddy of mine, um, his name is Aaron, and he is the lead singer of the Radioactive Chickenheads. And a wonderful, really fun, playful band. So kind of like, I would joke and call them vegan guar because they would wear all the big crazy masks like guar, but they were all chickens and vegetables and, and stuff like that. And he was one of the many, many, many members of Green Jello back oh, in the wow. day, yes. Little Pig, Little Pig, all that stuff. And so they had all the kind, it was sort of like a, 
like a six degree, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like I knew Aaron, Aaron knew Hunter. Aaron said, Hey, Hunter would probably really like this. I'm going to bring him. I said, yes, I would love for you to bring one of the Guar guys uh, and have him on freak show. So the first thing he had, did I want to say he was roller skating around the the ring, hitting people with his giant space wrench and all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, he came and just fell in love with the show, and we got along thick as thieves. And we just he's been on just about every future wrestling episode ever since. Wow, that is that's really incredible. That's so Jerry Springer and Freak Show Wrestling. Those are the two shows that I know Guar have been on, and of course down in Daytona. Right, right. That I'm surprised yeah. out of all out of all the the, the farce cameo uh, impersonator characters that we've ever had on Freaks and Wrestling, I'm I'm surprisingly impressed that we've never had a Jerry Springer kind of character and all sorts of other characters, all sorts of unruly, bizarre characters, but never had a Jerry Springer, and I'm kind of surprised that that just didn't ever happen. Now, is Freak Show Wrestling? Are you guys still running now? Did COVID kind of we are not currently running. The last show we did, we opened for Rob Zombie in Las Vegas at a big giant rock concert called Las Regis. And that was right before the pandemic. Uh, but to be honest, just the pandemic really, I think, put a lot of small shows on their asses. Yeah. Mom and pop businesses, small shows, performers. And Freak Show was always kind of a labor of love where it was super fun, but it was also expensive to do. Uh, this took so much out of my soul and energy to do where I physically, me, could wrestle every night of the week, every month for another promoter. But to promote and to write the shows and, you know, my, my wife right. and I would get the costumes ready and the props ready and all these things. And it's not like this wrestler is showing up and that wrestler, this bad guy and this good guy. And I tell you, hey, 10 minutes, uh, let's have the good guy win. Get out there. Freak show wrestling wasn't like that. It was like, okay, tonight you're the monkey, you're the banana, you're the vampire, you're the robot. I'm going to need a lot of this. I need garlic, I need outer space, I'm going to need this, and you're going to trip on the banana. You're going to fling poop at the audience because you're the monkey. Do all these things, and you're going to climb up the, grab the Fay Ray girl and climb up to the top rope and have the the banana's going to throw paper airplanes at you, and then you're going to take a bump off the top rope like the Empire State Building. So it was a lot of directorial stuff, a lot of makeup and wardrobe and supply, all that stuff. And it was just, it was so laborious, super rewarding, but super laborious, super expensive. So I think I would be down to do Freak Show again. I just, when I am booked on a show, you're kind of getting a two-legged version of Freak Show Wrestling, whether it's a prop-heavy match, it's me being funnier, me being scarier, me being a good guy, me being a bad guy, um, depending on where the show is, what they require me right. as a performer. But that way, I really only have me to babysit. You know, I can just make sure the promoter, you know, gets my flight, my, my, uh, uh, you know, hotel, and uh, gives me a payday, and then asks me, "This you're going to be a good guy, and you should be a bad guy, and you do this, and you do that." Say, okay, yes, Mister Promoter, sir, do my business, and then I'm back home, where it's just so much easier to babysit myself as opposed to managing a 30, 40, 50 roster um, situation. How much of your bookings are just bookings just a wrestling show as opposed to how many are a booking with seminars and that type of thing because i mean you're pretty well you're very well known as a trainer like i believe you've been down to nxt right yeah 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 I, i've been a guest coach a bunch of times at, at the pc super super fun experience um what's going on there right now i don't know hopefully i get to go back soon um, all of my experiences there were amazing um but yeah, to answer your question, I do seminars all over the place. I wrestle all over the place. If they want seminars, I, I'll I'll offer it up. If they want it, great, no, no problem. I'm pretty easy to deal with. Like I, I'm just I am there. Any any road wrestler should really be at any indie show to help that show. That's what we're getting paid for. We're not getting paid to get ourselves over. You're bringing us in because we're already over. Or we already have heat. We're we're good guys. You're bad guys, and you're bringing us in to rub push. Uh, whoever you want in the ring with us, you know, a local guy or girl or whoever it is. You know, if you want to get this new good guy over, give him to me as, and I'll be the bad guy. If you want to get this bad guy some heat, give him to me and I'll be the good guy. And it's my job to go to said shows and kind of be the, 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 the heck and heck with that. Um, it was, it's kind of my job to sort of be the, uh, how to put it, uh, the Bull Durham to uh, some indie wrestlers meet 
if that makes any sense. So as a player coach, you know, and it's not always the case. That's not always the situation. So sometimes it's even keel. Sometimes I'm wrestling like, you know, I don't know, a month or so ago, I was wrestling Hernandez next week, in a couple of weeks, I'll be wrestling Eugene. So that'll be just like two of the boys just having fun going at each other the way we would, you know, um, we can kind of walk and talk and whatever and have some fun versus, and we'll ha- I'll have fun always, like, don't get me wrong, against a younger wrestler. But that is more where, okay, I'll sort of direct a little bit more and, and kind of keep things flowing. It, it's it, as silly as it sounds to like not kind of, you know, break any fourth wall or whatever. Like people think, well, it's predetermined. Oh, it's this, not that, not that. But nobody knows where that starts and stops. Like people can use yeah. the F word. They can say fake. It is not fake. It's fixed. It's not fake. Um, what we do to our bodies is legit. Right. You know, just like I think Chris Jericho was just talking about that. He's like, I still to this day hit the F word. I do too. Like, again, right. I wouldn't hurt a fly, but if you want to challenge me on it being fake, sign a waiver and I'll see you in the ring and we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I've seen Ivar break his back twice and his neck once. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah like right. if you ask not, Ivar from WWE, it's very real. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And the, the thing about you know when again when somebody wants to challenge a wrestler, they have to realize it's our job to not just we're not just being characters and we're not just you know we know how to take bumps and whatever. It is our job to absorb and endure. Like if you think the average bear knows how to absorb a steel chair shot or how to land on concrete or even land on that canvas that is really all wood and steel canvas over top like there's a thin mat there's nothing comfortable or forgiving about a pro wrestling man. and, and that so, usually frozen. i was talking about and some fan wanted to do something to me if they didn't get it done on the first swing they are and i don't know if i can cuss on this thing yeah I got it. so if that fan doesn't get it done in the first shot i promise you they are proper fucked because if i can shake off that first shot there's, I promise you, there's nothing I can endure that a fan that, that, that a fan couldn't or vice or vice versa. I said that right backwards. I said put my put my dyslexic whatever. Like, I, I fan could not endure what I could endure. Not because I'm special or I'm a superhero or anything like. I'm just built a career on making my body durable. To like, you just get used to what you get used to. If you're used to eating hot peppers every day, it's no big deal. You just ate yeah. a hot pepper for the first time. Your head's gonna look like Yosemite Sam, and smoke's gonna come out your ears. But as you acclimate the stuff, we're just like people, you know, from the tropics and they go to the snow and they're like, holy crap, where they used to live in the snow, move to Florida, move back to the snow. Their blood is thin. They're like, oh, my goodness, I don't remember being like this. So your body has to acclimate to its conditions. People are used to doing and living in whatever situation. So pro wrestlers are used to on the regular being hurt, trucking through it and absorbing massive amounts of impact. So when you see these wrestlers diving on each other, jumping off the top rope, like just the old dropping a macho man elbow off the top rope from body weight to canvas, height, weight, times velocity. That is a 45 mile per hour car wreck. So imagine doing that several times a match, times several times a week, times several times a month, times several times times a year. How many car wrecks is that? And if you have only ever been in one car wreck or two car wrecks or zero car wrecks and you hit me first and I can recover from it, you're probably fucked. No. Bobby D uh, just asked, um, and I'm going to word it a little different than he did because I, I don't think anybody likes what's going on. But he asked how you like, what you think about what the what's going on with the WWE releasing people um, and letting people go. I don't think anybody likes that. So what I'm going to ask you and how I'm going to word it is, um, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think anybody likes it, you know. Um now, you know, businesses have to make business decisions, and sometimes those decisions bode well for the employees and or the customers. Sometimes they don't. I'm not defending WWE, but I'm not healing on them healing on them either. Um, I don't know why they did that. I don't like it, but I don't know the reasons, whether I, whether I personally deem those reasons valid or invalid. It's above my pay grade, and it's not my business. So the people that I know there that I know are good people and talented people and that are let go sucks. I feel yeah. bad for them. And, you know, I, I've been there, you know, it happened to me, it happened to some of my son. A lot of those people on those, on those lists are, are friends of mine, you know? Um, so of course I, you know, I'm always, every time I see somebody that I know released, uh, if I'm buddies with them, I always reach out, make sure they're okay. Right. 
you know, check on them because it's a shits. It, you don't, yeah. it's. Well, you lose a job. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very much. I'm not blowing kisses to you guys. My wife just walked by the camera and she was leaving. So I was just so. I was or, you That's fine. I, I caught that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Not when I go to bed tonight. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, but yeah. So, you know, like, and there, and to what end this all is happening. So again, I think a lot of the fans, just a lot of humans, not even wrestling, fans, just in life, a lot of people usually think in checkers. Well, this is in front of me. What next? This is in front of me. What next? I think to be not a sports entertainer, not a wrestler, not a high spot guy, not a comedy wrestler, not a nothing, but to be a worker. It is your job to not think in chess, but to think, or to think in che uh, checkers, but to think in chess, to think, well, what's going to happen down the road? Where are we? What's the long game on this? What's happening here? So as awful as, uh, you know, this handful of releases or just the moment before the releases before that and so forth and so forth, like, why are they doing what they're doing? I, I don't know. You know, there's all sorts of weird rumors out there. Now they have, you know, WWE has several several runs of revenue, and they they kind of took one away when they brought on the network. They brought they took away the pay per view revenue because now everyone right. pays nine ninety nine a month. Right. And now during COVID, they for I don't know how many months they lost their they lost the house, which was another big form of revenue. So sure. they were basically yeah, I wouldn't say they pretty much money is pretty much I mean I don't I can't say that for sure. I'm just guesstimating that. So, so yeah. I mean, of course, they, like, they I'm, simplistic. I'm boiling it down. Sure, there's all sorts of other little merchandise money and this and that and whatever, da 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 da, right. da but just for the most part, I want to say sponsorship money probably pulled them through the a lot that goes in to make the soup. But they lost a couple yeah. of good forms of revenue, so I mean they do have sure. to they have to make up for that at some point on the profit sure. and loss statements because they're they're a public company. Sure. And and with yeah. that comes you know a lot uh, you know a lot of strengths and a lot a lot of weaknesses. Like a lot of creativity gets sort of shoved aside, good, bad, or indifferent, and, and not even maybe not good, bad, or indifferent, just different. So, for instance, and when you get used to something. That's it, you know. So, like, you know, you watch Hell in a Cell now, for uh, just for an example, and you go, okay, that was cool, I liked it, whatever. But there's never any blood in Hell in a Cell. Back in the day, you pretty much couldn't have a cage match without, without blood. use. It was par for the course. You know, guys are ramming up against the sharp, uh, unforgiving edges of the steel, and blah 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 blah. Dragging <laughs> their face across. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Dragging their face across. You know, to keep sponsors and advertisers happy because that's a big bit of bread and butter so they don't want blood so they don't do it so maybe some people go oh, i remember when there was blood and it made a lot more sense and it looked a lot more real blah 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 and then there's the younger generation that didn't even know about that so they're not asking about it you know so there's all sorts of things that we live with like that i think choices and whatever like back in the day there was no seat belts and all of a sudden there were seat belts and then all of a sudden they were, you could use them if you wanted and all of a sudden they were uh it was illegal to not use the seat belts and i think people are to an age now where they just know oh seat belts is a, it's a normal thing it's part of what we do just because it's been around long enough where people just go yeah yeah it's a way of life to so, me was, the blood thing belt. is until there was there was there was, there was juice in, in in a in a cage match until there wasn't you know the, life just keeps on right. keeping on to me, that's like, sort of like the cursing. Like, you don't, it's, you know, it's faux pas to curse in a promo because it's like, quote unquote, cheap heat. Right. But there's creative ways around that. So people don't realize that you're not, people don't think that you're not cursing. They just, oh man, did you hear that promo? That was great. He's going to kill him. And, and if you, so, so on that note, so I always, for like 99% of my career, I never swore because that's what I was taught. Like, you want to, you know, it's, it's a PG show, blah, blah, blah. It's okay. But I don't set out to curse. But if there is a moment where I feel it's impactful and the show is like going right. to, it'll, it'll fly on the show. Like if I'm on Raw or SmackDown or AW or something, I'm not going to cuss unless the producer says, hey, we need you to cuss. Otherwise, I, I'm not going to let something slip. Um, but I think, you know, a little ketchup on the burger here and there is good. It just, it just makes the burger that much tastier. Like it's amazing. Jonathan, a uh, buddy of mine, a very wonderful magician comedian would say like, 
you know, I don't need to swear. It's just fun and it makes things seem a little more impactful. So if you blindsided me and set my car on fire and ate my dog and, and uh, you know, done all sorts of terrible things to me, I'm probably going to swear. It just would lend to the legitimacy of it. But if I go, yeah, how dare you? So-and-so, I'm going to kick your butt. Not only did I not swear, but I made my sound, myself sound like a doofus. You know, like who's going to say, I'm going to kick your patootie. Like, I don't know that the patootie is such an impactful, powerful, passionate, organic word, you know, where if I was like, I'm going to kick your motherfucking ass. People go, uh, okay, I buy that. He's upset. So when and where, when in Rome. Well, yeah, it's one of those that. things too, like there's creative ways to say that. Like yeah. I think The Rock, The Rock was great at it. Sure, sure. Like, saying, saying things that he's going to do to you in a way that's going to make the audience laugh, but you understand what he's saying. Sure. You know? So, and yeah, finding those sort of double entendres, for lack of a better term, and yeah. those subtle things. You know, again, you could say F so-and-so, or you could say let's go so-and-so. You know, like you're saying the same thing without the actual curse word. You know, yeah. so like I'm, not saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying any beliefs. I'm just using that as an example. So anybody on here that, that doesn't like that, <laughs> so, sorry, but. but saying like I'm going to take that chair, saying I'm going to take that chair, saying I'm going to take that chair and shove it up your ass is one way, but the way Rock did it with that candy ass. And, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to turn this sideways, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, he doesn't need to finish it. Everybody just knows, oh, that's where he's going. Sure, sure. Yeah. And that that's conditioning the audience to his speak. So if he just says, you know, hey, what's your name? Oh, it doesn't matter. what You know, like, you know where he's going because he was so uh, popular and so over that people just had his stuff memorized. So you say it once, he doesn't have to say it again. It's like yeah. when a rock concert and then the singer holds the microphone out to the audience and the audience sings half the songs for the guy. Or, or, yep. Because if those songs are over enough, you know, the audience is kind of doing a sing-along, you know, and that's whether it was uh, the, the rock or, you know, Stone Cold or whoever, like, and look at, look at back in the day, look at uh, Enzo and Big Cash, they, uh, Big Cash, they'd have like, they'd, the audience would recite like a paragraph of stuff. They just had the audience to that tune where, they could. Just, I can recite that stuff to save my life. Yeah. I can't. Can't recite lyrics to save my life. But the audience seemed to figure that out just fine, and, and that was pretty elaborate. You know, just, and just just in the elaboracy is what I'm trying to say about those yep. guys. But you know, it's the creative mindset behind those kind of that kind of linguistics in a way that you have to have that grasp on on it in order to insult you, but make you think it's a compliment. Sure. And, and, and two, like a good performer, wrestler or otherwise, musician, actor, wrestler, whatever, athlete, athlete, whatever you are. I mean, wrestlers are athletes, but you know what I mean? Is, is to put the audience in the palm of your hand. Like I would always kind of tell the wrestling students, I would point at the, the chairs around the ring. I would point at the bleachers around the ring and I'd say, where do the fans sit? So oh, well, in the chairs and in the bleachers I'd say, nope, they sit. Where's the camera right there? Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Any good. That's where they sit right in the palm of your hand. Thank you. That's Absolutely. the jam. Our job isn't to do five suplexes per match or 10 Canadian destroyers per match or one dive per match. Our job is to put smiles on faces. How we get that done? Billion different ways. I saw a we couple can, of we can do the worm, We can do the people's elbow. We can do a dive. We can do a super kick party. We can do a, 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 the cobra. We can do a mandible claw. We can do the people's elbow. We can do any, which the leg drop. Joke slam, the last ride, the this, that, the other, whatever it is, or a pie in the face, or a what, 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 you know, whatever it's going to be. Bunnies on your boots. Bunnies on my boots, whatever it's going to take to put smiles on faces, period. I, I was at a show over the weekend where, like, the, the hard cam, there was nothing for the hard cam in the first three matches. That was the one piece of criticism at a great show. How do you mean nothing for the hard cam? How do you mean that? Uh, nobody was um, at the end of it. There was no celebration. There was nothing being fed into the hard cam for the people watching online. Oh, I got you. So, okay. You know? So, and that that's a whole other thing right there too, is like working for the live audience versus working for the right. camera. So if you're, if you're decent at yeah. it, you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. You know, you can kind of cheat doing a little bit of both. Uh, but the TV guys are predominantly working for the camera. You don't see a whole lot of right. fan interaction. 
I'm a very fan interactive kind of wrestler. I was always of that Dusty Mo Dusty Rhodes mentality of like, you know, bring the fans into the story. Yeah. You know, Ricky Morton, like Ricky Morton really just reaching like he's on his belly in dire straits. And he he wouldn't be reaching for Robert to tag. He's reaching for all the kids and the people in the front row that helped me, tagged me, you know, and all the kids, everybody's losing their mind to help Ricky you know, or just whatever crowd interactive stuff, whatever it is, or like, what, 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 you know, or yes, 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 whatever it is. That's all crowd interactive stuff. That's the best stuff. I don't, I don't really get why promoters, some promoters, bigger promoters or whatever would say, don't work the crowd. I mean, I would, I would just go, yes, sir. And then I go there and do what I think I need to do. You know, I'm going to do everything they ask for, but I'm going to sneaky, sneaky work the crowd. I'm not going to not work the crowd. I think a pro, like I think a promoter that says just flat out don't work the crowd is a promoter you could probably work into not realizing you work the crowd if you know what that's, I mean. That's what I'm saying. Like so, like you know. But I, I do really, think both have to sort of be done to a point now because so many indie shows, you know, the live audience might be 150, 200 people, but you're gonna have maybe another hundred or 150 people at home now watching online. You're not getting thousands sure. like the, you know, you're not getting millions like the WWE, but you sure. might double your crowd with what's online. Sure. And, and again, like I, I want people walking out of there talking about what they saw. Yeah, I'm buying. And there's a million reasons why they would, and a million reasons why they wouldn't. So if you are not engaging the crowd, you don't have to pander to the crowd, but if you are not reading the crowd, taking the temperature of the room, and going, oh well, this. A, B, C, D, E, F, what we have planned isn't gelling. We have to switch gears. So, like, again, when I said there's sports entertainers, there's wrestlers, there's, you know, high spot guy, as Matt Hardy would say, spot monkeys, you know, there's all sorts of different styles of whatever wrestling. To be a worker in its purest sense. People say worker all the time, but it's really few and far between that can actually work. To work means to, you should be able to, you can memorize whatever you want, but you should be able to go off the fly if need be, yeah. uh, preferably, you know, the, the more I have to talk backstage, I could talk, I could memorize as much as you want, but the more I have to talk, the more it becomes work and less fun. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if I'm talking to some wrestler and they want to talk about every dumb little thing under the sun, I just start daydreaming, thinking about SpongeBob and this and that and the other. And I'm just, oh yeah. Yeah. All right. See you in the ring. You know, yeah, and then nothing that I mean, they just safe, but it just takes all the fun out of it and it takes all the spontaneity out of it. And if you memorize to a T, like you can have your bullet points and your key things to tell said story, but if you go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, blah, 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 that's a house of cards and a warm, warm breeze will blow that over. All somebody has to do is forget one little thing or something, somebody's out of the wrong place, and then that turns, that turns your next match that those people are there to see into the bathroom break. Right. And so, again, like I tell the wrestling students all the time and the young wrestlers, like, there's no fans ever that are sitting around in some coffee shop or some restaurant going, man, I'm chosen to see a Falcon Arrow or a Brain Buster or a Super Kick or a Sleeper or whatever. They go, I want to go see Rey Mysterio. I want to go see Kenny Omega. I want to go see Eric Young. I want to see Boogeyman. I want to see this. I want to see that. They never say, man, I can't wait to see an eye gouge. They don't ever do that. Yeah. They want to see the performer, the personality. They don't yeah. want to see the technique. Is, again, the, the, the moves are just ketchup on the burger. They're, they're there for the burger. You're not going, man, this restaurant's got, let me tell you, the ketchup is spectacular. Nobody no. ever freaking says that. They go to this burger joint because they really like these burgers. I've That's seen I think about it. And again, I wear bunnies and duckies on my feet and clown paint for a living. So what the f do I know? But that's how I've I feel. seen a ton of Sin Bodhi matches over the years. How would you describe your character, though? Uh, water. I'm versatile. I am not old school, and neither am I new school. I am water. Water is Jeet Kundo. Water is can break rock. Water can whittle through the cracks. Water is uber versatile. It is what it is, and it needs to be what it needs to be. That's perfect because you're not a, you know, Sin's not a, you're not necessarily a good guy. You're not necessarily the villain. You're, I am you're mean, not, but you're definitely not a tweener. I, I am mean. That's the thing is right. what guys and girls have to realize that want to be in this business is that you're not, you don't just turn from JBL to Marty Jannetty if you're a good guy or a bad guy. You are you. And 
you know, long gone are the days of like the super friends where the good guys sat at a table and were just goody goodies and the bad guys sat at the table and thought of what evil things to do. Life is much more complex than that. So you're not part of an evil faction because you're a heel and you're just a set to do 10 bad things per week. And that gives you the carte blanche to be in a bad guy club or 10 good things. And you're part of this good guy club. You don't have a punch card. You are situationally, uh, you in a good mood or a bad mood or you're making the right decisions or the wrong decisions. So I, I would, I would joke with the wrestlers and say, look, if I am me, so, okay. So, uh, I would say, uh, I don't know. Hey, Joe, um, we're in a relationship and, uh, you tell me that you, you accuse me of cheating on you and I didn't cheat on you. I would say, Joe, what are you talking about, man? Why would you think that, dude? I, I love you, man. Look, you're always there for me. You're wonderful. You're sexy. You're smart. You're funny. You're this, you're that. Why would you think that? But if you accuse me of cheating on you and I did, I would be like, whoa, 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 Joe, Joe, whoa, 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 whoa. Why would you think that? What would never give you that a first name? What you hear? You know, like, it's still me. I am Absolutely. just attacking the situation like a good guy or like a bad guy. I am going forward positively or I am backpedaling like a villain. It is situational. It is not... I'm a bad guy because I'm a bad, I'm part of the bad guy club. No, you were, you know, if more, if you're often found in that situationally bad side of town or a good side of town, then that's where you kind of dwell. Like Jeff Hardy has been his career babyface, kind of like a Ricky Steamboat or a Ricky Morton or a Tito Santana, because he never really, he never had to kind of back up and do that. He was never booked in that situation. Neither was Steamboat or Morton or Tito or what have you. And then there's guys like JBL, who I, I want to say, I don't think you know, maybe for a hot minute, but for the most part, JBL is backing up. And then when he has the opportunity, he is vicious and relentless. So that whole no redeeming qualities to make him the bad guy. You know, if you have likable qualities, like Jeff Hardy, very likable, Tito, very likable, Mar uh, Ricky and other Ricky, very likable, JBL, not so likable. So that's where you kind of fall. Again, Sin Bodhi is Sin Bodhi. So if I need to make Sin Bodhi decisions, on you know taking the low road to get higher ground that makes me the bad guy if i'm going to stay the course and fight the good fight that makes sin Bodhi a good guy situational doesn't mean i'm a heel i'm a baby fish now it's too much it's too much it's more complicated a little bit of that played out on penn and teller too when you were when the act was over and you were still in character delivering the belt they were so uncomfortable at that point, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, the, the act was over, but you were still, you know, the head tilted kind of. Sure. Like, I'm going to eat your throat right now. And they right. were like, holy shit. But that's part of it. Like, so, so right. Over, so switching, gears, switching gears, combo plattered with credibility. I took this word. This is Jake the Snake's favorite word. My mentor, my idol, my best pal, my teacher, my opponent. His word, if you asked him to sum up, the most important thing about pro wrestling, he'll tell you, credibility. If you don't think that I couldn't eat your face off, what am I there for? Then yep. what is that Sin Bodhi character any good for at all? So whether you love me or whether you hate me, whichever, whatever the situation is, you're gonna. I need you to know. I need to confidently instill into your brain. Okay, he's fun, or he's scary, or he's a dickhead, or he's nice. But if I got too close to him and did something he didn't like, he could bite my face off. I, 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 again, I have no problem with cruiserweight wrestling or high-flying wrestling. I like all styles of wrestling. But I do think when wrestlers walk that aisle, fans need to go, I'm impressed. I wouldn't want to fuck with that person. You know, Rey Mysterio is a lot shorter than I, but he's pound for pound. He looks great. His character is everything it needs to be. He's fiery. He's uh, energetic. He's compassionate. He, he generates empathy. Like it just oozes out of his pores. You know, you buy everything he is selling. Um, so proving that I got no problems with smaller wrestlers, but I don't think fans will look at him and go, yeah, I could beat him up. They're going to go, man, he's quick as the hiccup, man. He could yep. six, one, nine me in outer space. If I just blinked, you know, so people go, oh, or he, you know, I'd be puking on myself as he's running circles around me, even though if I'm a foot taller than him or whatever. So same thing, Undertaker, you look at him and you go, I don't like creepy wrestlers. That dude is intoxicating. Like, man, I can't take my eyes off that guy. He's a human comic book like he is he is shredder he is darth vader he is thanos like undertaker is so daunting he transcends you know, the kayfabe what's that he transcends the kayfabe like yeah. he takes that that's not just a character that's kind of become him sure and sure people know that 
Like they don't so see him outside. Yeah, a lot of people say kayfabe's dead. No, it's not. It's just changed, altered. Right. But again, like people could go, oh yeah, Simbody's part of a show, or Undertaker's part of a show, or Gangrel's part of a show, or Boogeyman's part of a show, or whoever. It doesn't need to be a creepy guy. It could be whomever. Uh, you know, just whoever. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Uh, Braun Breaker. You know, he's yeah. not a creepy guy, but anybody in the audience worth a damn would have to realize, man, if I took my eyes off that guy for one second, he would suplex me into oblivion. You know, you don't need worms or spikes on your shoulder pads or clown paint or whatever to be creepy or be scary. But I promise you, everybody I just list listed, you know, as eccentric as those characters are, they could get it done. Yeah. So for, for fans to go, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to mess with the boogeyman. I would dare you. And I'm not daring you. Please, let's not. Let's leave the Seth Rollins incident as, as a one and done. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I don't wish that on any wrestler, but I mean, like Gangrel, um, or even my, my buddy Bates that I was talking about earlier, if I had to pick somebody to have my back wrestling an alley, like a dark alley or a brightly lit alley full of ninjas, it would be either my friend Jason Bates, who wrestled as the Street Fighter, or Gangrel. And they are two of the absolute sweetest people I have ever known on this planet. Triple tough. Triple tough. Like Gangrel versus 10 normal humans. Good luck, 10 humans. Good luck. Is that right? Yeah, buddy. Now, yes. what do people, I feel like we just got an hour of a lesson from Sin Bodhi. Um, can you break down the school to us? Sure. So um, uh, I teach at Future Stars of Wrestling, FSW in Las Vegas. We affectionately kind of refer to the ring as the snake pit because originally uh, Jake the Snake, myself, and Neil Brown, we opened up the snake pit school here. And then soon after that, we got in bed with the premier show, which is in rest in Vegas, which is future stars of wrestling. So they had Kenny King and disco Inferno teaching at their school. And we had me and Jake and D'Lo at our school. So we got into bed together and then we brought in Kikitaro as well. And once in a while, TJP shows up, Tabari shows up different guys. So it's pretty one-stop shopping for wrestling school. And then during the pandemic, I turned the original snake pit wrestling student page into a private, like it was a private page just for, hey, flyering, we're going to flyer the shows or we're going to do ring crew or classes or such and such time. So there's about 30 people on there. So now I want to say there's about 3,500 people and we opened it up uh, to industry. So students, wrestlers, writers, producers, referees, valets, cameramen, whatever um, can be on that page. And it's no, no knock on the fans. It's just to keep the fans entertained and on their toes. It's really just to school and enlighten you know, up-and-coming wrestlers or whatever, and there's plenty of advanced people, WWE people, AEW people, AAA guys and girls, all sorts of people from all over the world are on that page. And that is affectionately the snake pit. So, like, guys like myself, I, this, it's my page, so I'll be on there for the most part. And then I've got wonderful guest coaches like Tyson Dukes, Rock Riddle, Gangrel, Al Snow, Dr. Tom, Angelina Love, just so many people have been on there. Uh, big Zeke Jackson, you know, talking about you know, working as a big man or, or different Cody Diener, different guys that pop on there and girls like Angelina Love was really great on there. Uh, Dr. Tom and Al Snow, me and me and Doc would do quite a few match reviews and different things. Like I'll do breakdowns with a private match uh, separately or I'll we'll just pick an old school match and just dissect and say, this is what they were doing here. This is why they did what they did. This is how they get mileage out of this. This is how they sort of set the table on this, blah, blah, blah. And so I think a lot of wrestlers through the pandemic got a lot of use out of that and then it was cool because super rewarding because yeah we're doling out wrestling knowledge but we were really trying to distract people from crawling the cages when we were all stuck in quarantine and everything so now that i get to shows um you know across you know country and so forth i haven't been out of the country since the pandemic you know all the, the restrictions and everything but I'll get to these different shows wherever and I'll meet young wrestlers I've never met before. And they'll come up and say, thanks coach. I've never met them. So it's a really neat. And they'll say, yeah, man, you really helped me out during the pandemic. That was awesome. And I always look forward to listening to you and Doc and Grell and so forth. So that was super duper is super duper rewarding. So that's what it is. So short story long, um, future stars of wrestling is where I teach Mondays and Tuesday nights in Vegas. I'll do seminars out and about at whatever shows I'm at. If the promoter uh, wants to facilitate that. And then I, I teach online on the snake pit. If you just go snake pit wrestling Academy, it's on Facebook. And then you just click the, the private link and you say what school you're at or wherever you are, you know, whatever. And then uh, we prove you. And then you're on that private page and you get to listen to all of our fun craziness. That is, that's awesome. And that's a, such a good idea because I don't know. 
I'm sure someone else is doing it somewhere, but I've never heard of anyone else doing sort of like the online thing like that. I mean, match review, sure, but. So I think, like, I think I, I, I'm certainly not a, a horn tutor. I'm not a self. Uh, I'm not a, I, I don't do the, the Tommaso right. Chico or the Barry, or the Barry Horowitz, uh, uh, but I, I want to say I was kind of the, the first, one of the first to do like a, an online. Yeah. That's such well, a good well, idea. Well, and then, then to do it with the pedigree you have, the people you have mm. with you doing it, you know, like the Gangrel and the Jake yeah. and that type of people doing it with you where these other small local promotions will do it, but they barely have one name. Well, so when I, when I have when I have guest wrestlers or, or or not even guest wrestlers, when I have drop-in wrestlers from out of state coming in and they'll come and train, you know, pay a little drop-in fee just because again, it's not my school. I'm a coach there, but you know, Joe DeFalco runs FSW, which is you know that's his building and Rocky T. So you know, the lights don't come on out of magic. The insurance isn't paid out of magic, so everybody just chips in, you know, and yeah. So it just uh, it's, it's it's a nice place to to come and train. And, and when, when guys come in and out of town and they go, man, it was never explained to me like that for my indie coach or for my whoever and no knocking any indie coach, but you can't teach what you don't know. So if you know how to give a proper hip dial, you can teach that. If you don't know about certain psychology or TV wrestling or how to break down, going into a commercial break, coming out of a commercial break in you know, certain ways and this and that, but, uh, there's a million things that if you don't know, you don't know. If you don't know it, how could you teach it? You know, so I, I've seen great schools and I've seen not so great schools. And like, I like to endorse the, the schools that I feel you're going to get an education out of and actually learn how to work and how to make it in wrestling business. So guys, FSW with Sin Bodie, with Thilo, with all of those guys, like these, these are guys that have been on TV, whether it's been WWE, AEW, Impact, they've all been there. Like Sin, you've been on... There, there's not a there's not a coach at FSW that hasn't been on major TV. That's you know, and that's not to say nothing like this. You know, we have a couple of schools up here where the guys haven't been on TV, but they've taught the country. Sure, it's so not taking away from them at all. But when you sure. get the guys that know how to work TV, like um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, when Finn Balor came up, he was like, "I told Finn to work whatever camera," and he's like, he looked at me like I had three heads. He had no idea. Because right. he didn't, they didn't know how to work TV. Even in Japan, like they were taught to work and to sure. wrestle. When you're on and that, so, so you're multitasking. You're, you're doing so many things with logic, and you can't have tunnel vision, but you have to focus, but you have to see everything else. Again, what if a fan comes in, or what if there's a right. the referee is down, and you don't want to step backwards and step on his leg or something? Like you have to be so aware of everything. Like, watch this camera, and you're not just playing to the cameras. The bigger the show, the more complex the camera setup. So you're not just playing to the cameras. You're watching the red light on whichever camera you're going to. So you've got to keep an eye on all that stuff. So many different factors. And then listening to time. Like I want to say when I was Kazarni 100 years ago uh, on SmackDown, I want to say 30 seconds of commercial time was something like 250 or 275K. So if you went 30 seconds over, you just robbed Vince McMahon of, you know, almost yeah. 300K. You know, so you have to know how to follow times and cues and different things like that. Or what if they need you to go long? What if they need you to go short? Well, if we have this match all planned out from A to Z and it's a 12 minute match and they tell us to go home in three minutes, we can't stuff 12 minutes into three minutes. We have to edit, subtract, you know, divide, do all these things and make these micro decisions very, very quickly. Make snap oh, wow. decisions. And keep the and keep the audience with you. And keep the audience so it can't look like you're you can't be a deer in headlights. You have to you have to know, and you, you know, the best of the best guys can forget spots, but you're never going to notice it. Right. You know, like Triple H could forget a spot. You're never going to notice it because he's just so damn slick, you know, and, and yeah. same thing. And it goes the other way too, you know, uh, so-and-so's not here yet. He had a flat tire. You need to wrestle for another 10 more minutes. So if you got to, you, if you can't make it up as you go, if you can't just riff off the fly, you're kind of, kind of effed, you know, and, and sometimes it were, sometimes they do it almost as a rib, like, Give you extra minutes just to see how you do. You know, like give me all those minutes, man. I can go sixty minutes without blanking. So That's I, don't, I don't know that a lot of wrestlers can. Again, I, with all my strengths and all my weaknesses, I am humbled to know both of those very well. I know how to 
amp and forefront my strengths and how to hide my weaknesses. But there's not a lot of wrestlers that could do a, a 60 minute match. I can do it in my sleep. I do it all the time. I do it with students as sort of a rite of passage as a way to school them and show them, hey, this is how you can get some mileage and whatever. And we don't just sit and hold for 800 hours. We move, but it shows them how to set the table on things, how to get mileage out of things, how to tell those stories in the ring. And again, you could stand in a locker room and plan out a bunch of crap or you could go feel it and it'll probably be way more organic. So having said that, if you take the best of both those worlds, think about some ideas together and then go find what you find organically and then meet that in the middle. That's some nice G Kundo right there. That's some nice water. Absolutely. And we just went 60 minutes in the blink of an eye. Ta-da! <laughs> no, I should get out of here. Uh, I don't want to be late to teach Tito's yeah. daughter. I don't need a flying burrito. Um, uh, from the man, so uh, I'd like to avoid that. So, thank you guys for having me on here. And I can, uh, it's okay with you, I'll shamelessly just plug. You want me on a show? You want me to do a seminar? You want to buy one of my toys? You want to be on a snake pit? Whatever. Social media is Sinbodi, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Sinbodi, S I N N B O D H I, Sin with two ends, Bodhi like the tree. All right, thank you, Sin. Thank you, Sin. Appreciate Thank you, it as always. For everybody, I hope you were all entertained, and I will leave you with the regular coming off of every class of Snake Pit. Just be safe, be smart, be kind. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, boys. Yes. Thank you, son. Thank you. Thank you, boys. Thank you. He's already out. <laughs>